0: Namur Tasab goa tu arahatur sama sambuddhasa Namur Tasab goa tu arahatur sama sambuddhasa goa tu arahatur Those of you that listen regularly to these Uh, Sunday evening dharma talks or probably have noticed that uh, very rarely, uh, uh, if ever, do I talk about uh, techniques for formal meditation. And there are various reasons for this. Um, uh, One being that in my experience... We're all just so uh, thoroughly different. Something that works for one person definitely doesn't work for somebody else. And and I know in my own case, uh, over the years I've tried uh, many different approaches to meditation practice, but also to uh, the practice of uh, cultivating awareness in general, which Would include body awareness, breath awareness. And And I've also observed how readily, particularly those of us who've grown up in a very materialistic uh, society, tend to latch on to structures, Mm. techniques, forms, and... assuming that when we get the technique it's like when we get the information we've got what we're looking for and that just isn't the case there's plenty of evidence to show us that that's not the case but that doesn't stop us from still relating to material existence and structures and forms including Spiritual structures and forms and conventions in a very clinging Uh, sort of way, and uh, so for those and various other reasons, I I tend to shy away from talking too much about meditation Uh, techniques. However, it has been suggested that it might be useful. if at least uh, once in a while I do speak about it. and So I thought this evening, instead of uh, assuming that I know what's good for anybody else, because I don't, I could perhaps just share what I found or what I find does work. Yeah. And this, of course, bearing in mind, is what has evolved over um, something like 40 years of of investigation into what works Mm. It came up in conversation the other day what it was like 40 years ago 45 years ago and I simply don't want to think about it Mm. such a intense feeling of disorientation and Mm. confusion it's uh, doesn't bear thinking about. Yeah. But thankfully, I can say that uh, the effort put into exploring mm. what works is worthwhile. Mm. The world we live in, of course, is uh, very challenging, always has been that way. Mm the external world, the internal world, and if we don't have our bearings set in accord with what's real, what's true, as Buddhists, with Dhamma, then the chaos just increases as the years go by, and then our defences against the suffering which come with the increased chaos also strengthen it becomes even more difficult to deal with. Conversely, if we attune ourselves yeah. Yeah. with discovering what works in our case, you know, in other words, we give ourselves permission to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, we find that we can grow in an in organic confidence. Yeah that we can take responsibility for our own suffering. Mm. You don't have to look very far before you see that the vast majority of the world is blaming other people for their suffering. And and this, of course, runs counter to what the Buddha realised, which is that we are each individually responsible. We can't blame our parents or our astrological configuration or the politicians or we can't truly blame external conditions for our suffering. It's what we do with our minds that makes the difference. So yes, there are, and I have found there are lots of systems and techniques that can be very supportive, but which ones are going to work in our case? It's, it is trial and error. Yeah. Ajahn Chah, yeah, our teacher, certainly yeah. tried out all sorts of practices. Ajahn Tate, my first meditation teacher, tried out all sorts of practices. I, I think I referred recently to uh, how he, in fact, what he spoke about, how he was stuck for 10 years in a, a limited level of, of tranquility yeah he misperceived what was happening. And, mm-hmm. So there's trial and error, so long as we are establishing ourselves within the, the basic uh, uh, precepts which give rise to a sense of uh, commitment to integrity, if we have that as the foundation, mm. then we can feel safe to, to carefully explore And when we do make mistakes, hopefully the mistakes won't be too painful and have too far-reaching consequences. But the emphasis does need to be on on carefulness, gradually feeling our way and reading our own hearts and minds and bodies, which is very important. One of the big mistakes a lot of us make as we approach practice, out of touch with our bodies. Mm. Mm. Certainly this was Mm. my experience in the beginning. When I heard the meditation teacher talk about concentrating on the breath, I just loved that opportunity to concentrate, exclude all the things that I didn't want about life, concentrate on the breath, and... really narrow down, focus, control. Controlling was what I liked doing. In fact, all deluded egos love controlling.
1: Mm. And
0: I had some facility in that area, and so I had some interesting experiences, and I started out in meditation. But I was not in touch with the body. Mm. Mm. In fact, the first very uh, significant experience I had in my meditation practice, was doing walking meditation when I was more in touch with the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Concentrating can give rise to some interesting new perspectives on our inner worlds, but that fascination tends to pass away uh, once we get used to what we're doing, like the beginner's mind. Mm. passes away, and uh, yeah. with it also the, the confidence and the idea of just concentrating is enough. Concentrating on a meditation object is not enough. Yeah. Soon, later, we discover that a lot of the uh, apparent obstructions that we encounter along the way, uh, we can only deal with them if we're willing to let go of my way. My way of doing things is controlling. Mm. Only letting those things into consciousness that I agree with, that I like, that I approve of, mm. and pushing away those things that I don't like, don't approve of, don't want. That pushing and pulling, picking and choosing, is the MO of deluded egoity. Mm. And it doesn't take us very far in meditation sooner or later we're going to need to learn to let go. So in this great adventure of learning how to let go skillfully, well, there are many different suggestions from many different teachers. The most useful exercise that I found, the most useful practice I found, was Ajahn Samaito's teaching on listening to the sound of silence. When we're still very influenced by our compulsive controlling attitudes then whatever we pay attention to we tend to interfere with so even when the teacher says pay attention to breathing in and breathing out when we try to do that we readily interfere with the rhythm of the breathing in a very unhelpful way then we can try to concentrate harder and I used to concentrate so hard that sometimes when I'd stand up after meditation, my eyes would be blurry and i have to steady myself from falling over. Yeah. Struggling to exclude so much from awareness. Ended up with, yeah. well what it felt like was large areas of my life were not included in this practice.
1: Yeah.
0: It was only a very small portion of my being was getting spiritualized. Huge areas of my life were not being addressed. I didn't know this at the time, but looking back, that's how I would describe what was happening. The excluding mode of concentration meditation simply didn't work. Ajahn Samedo's uh, teaching on listening to the sound of silence did work. Because when you move out of... uh, looking at the breath, which is not necessarily what the teaching is telling us to do. The teacher says, pay attention to the breath, but when the teacher says that, in my mind that means look at the breath, which means go to the eyes, which means excluding. and It's very stress-inducing. It's not peace-inducing. Whereas when we listen, move out of the eyes and to the ears and... Listen, if you can hear the sound of silence, and listening to that is very relaxing, all-encompassing, it's natural. I find it very beautiful. And I imagine what the sound of silence might look like. It's as if you're walking through a, a grove of aspen trees, and aspen trees are all made of silver. A gentle breeze blows through all those leaves and the shimmering of those silver leaves is the sound of the sound of silence. And it becomes a very effective background object which symbolises the unformed, the unconditioned. Of course, it's not the unchanging. It's not changelessness. You know, like the Buddha images, not the Buddha. Like the Dhamma books are not the Dhamma. The sound of silence is not changelessness, yeah. but it can symbolize changelessness. And all the other sounds, all the other objects, the mental formations, the emotional movements and external sounds and activities yeah. can be seen to be changing, can be held more lightly. if we have this meditation object of listening to the sound of silence. However, I discovered that even listening to the sound of silence, if we uh, start off with a disembodied, contracted, uh, controlling approach, even listening to the sound of silence is not enough. So, hence the need to explore, to experiment, to look into other skillful means which inform awareness, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: which gentle awareness, broaden awareness, Mm -hmm. cultivate awareness, which, of course, is what this is all about. The Buddha taught Jitta Bhavana. Cultivation of awareness, Mm and Pawana, the cultivation. The fact that I interpreted meditation practices as picking up an, an object and concentrating on it is a symptom of the addiction to materialism, the false religion of our age. That was what I brought to the practice, it wasn't necessarily what the teacher gave me. So, if the sound of silence as a meditation object makes sense, it's important that we, or i found that it's important, to make sure that all of us is included. Because yeah. even the sound of silence, as it's saying, as a practice, can leave parts of our being unaddressed. Yeah. The body, yeah. the breath, yeah. the realm of relationships, the world. Yeah. If we're coming from a place of already being split off, yeah caught up in our heads, uh, which so much of our conditioning has trained us to do, then we benefit from intentionally directing awareness in other areas. So, so I've found over the years that in practice, and this is what constitutes my personal formal meditation these days, I've, I've found that there are six signs or uh, suggestions or prompts I like to think of them as as reminders or prompts that that trigger presence mm. helpful presence the kind of presence that means that one is better able to meet whatever life is offering in this moment mm. Mm. personally my approach to meditation is I'm completely disinterested in special experiences. Talk about magical visions is thoroughly disinteresting. Yeah. Now, for some people, they find that interesting, but that's, that's fine. It's like talking about football. I'm not interested in football. Some people are. Some people like talking about psychic powers and mystical experiences. Personally, uh, I find them a distraction. Mm-hmm. But what I am interested in is the possibility of cultivating a quality of awareness that is here and now embodied and equipped to meet the vicissitudes of life. The eight worldly dhammas, the eight worldly wins the Buddha talked about. Praise and blame, gain and loss, pleasure and suffering, honour and insignificance. So whatever life brings us, whether it's a feeling of being pleased with myself because things are working out and do we get caught up in that or can we simply receive it as a condition and let it pass through us, let it go or feeling displeased with ourselves because you know, the way I handled meeting somebody on the train who was you know, distinctly unpleasant and aggressive and, and maybe I didn't handle it as well as I wanted to. Can we receive that? Mm -hmm. Agreeable, disagreeable, likeable, dislikeable. Mm -hmm. Attractive or unattractive. How do we cultivate the quality of awareness that's able to receive it all and learn from it all? And so, personally, that's what I find really interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, in service of that, then I'm saying there's these Six signs or six prompts that have emerged over the years, and, and this is what constitutes formal practice. Mm. And having invested in these six signs, it means that uh, in daily life practice, and just the mere mention of one of these effectively triggers um, a shift back towards balance. So this is a practice that I've found brings benefit in, in formal sitting situations but also a practice that you can take everywhere and anywhere. Mm. Now, it begins with alignment. Mm. Alignment. Mm. Now, of course it's alignment of all of our being but uh, practically speaking it's alignment within the body maybe you remember what the how the buddha taught about the in the anapanasati sutta the, the discourse on breathing in and breathing out where you know, he mentions the monk goes to a quiet place and finds a seat under a tree and uh, uh, sitting upright holding the body erect establishing mindfulness mm. that to me suggests alignment mm. And if we're not aligned within our body, mm. then it's difficult, probably impossible, to be aligned within other aspects of our being. It's no coincidence, I would say, that the, the Buddha taught the first of the four foundations of mindfulness of mindfulness of the body. Mm. So in this uh, this reflection on alignment, bringing into alignment, you can make the suggestion to the mind Be like a tree, be like a tree. A tree where the upper branches and leaves are are reaching up to the light, receiving nourishment from above, and the roots are well planted in the ground below, receiving nourishment from the ground. Mm. And then if we bring awareness to the body itself, feeling the sensation of our body upright, alert, bringing attention to uh, the top of the back of the head. Imagine that we're being lifted up from that point. Mm. Not just thinking, uh, using our imagination to direct our attention to that point at the top of the back of the head and imagine that sensation, that spot, being lifted up. And if we use our imagination, not use our muscles, but use our imagination, see if it doesn't effectively mean that our chin is tucked in just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit more straightened. It may not happen immediately, but Mm -hmm. trying to inhibit the temptation to use the muscles to make the shift happen. Mm -hmm. Visualizing, feeling, imagining the top of the back of the head. And then bringing awareness to the sensation of the tip of the tongue. The top of the back of the head and the tip of the tongue in a line with each other. The tip of the tongue touching gently behind the teeth. Hmm. Feeling the tip of the tongue, feeling the top of the back of the head. And feeling our shoulders. Imagine that you're carrying two buckets of wet sand. Which pull the arms right down, way down. And as our arms go down, allowing the chest to open... If we're not careful we can bring habits of contraction of stress into our meditation, whereby our head is tilting back or leaning forward and our tongue is is forced, pressured, stressed within the mouth cavity, our shoulders are up around our ears, our chest is cramped, closed. And this is while we're meditating. So the top of the head, the tip of the tongue, the shoulders and then bring to mind the cushion or the seat that we're sitting on and imagine that just by the downward pressure exerted by our body seated here, that we're completely flattening our cushion. Mm. And maybe gently, gently leaning forward a little bit or leaning back a little bit, just to find that point of maximum downward pressure, Mm. generating a sense of groundedness down into the roots. Mm. Imagine being like a tree, upright, alert, present. Mm. Correcting the misalignment that we've... created by denying so much of our lives
1: yeah.
0: so much of life as we met it was more than we could handle and you know, whether it's emotional trauma or physical trauma and not really lived through it easily gets locked into the body locked into the nervous system locked into the structures. and We feel and we look and we move from misalignment. So this exercise, uh, these points and can help by paying attention. And the top of the back of the head, the tip of the tongue, the shoulders dropping down, the chest open, And the seat that we sit on, pressed flat, Mm -hmm. coming into the body, grounded, upright. And taking care to soften. Soften because... When we resist life, Mm. when we resist the suffering of life that we don't know how to really sensitively live through, Mm. we create structures of rigidity. Mm. We resist life. These structures become habitual. Mm. They're very evident when we're young. Maybe we can feel ourselves doing them, but then they become automatic, Mm. rigid. Mm. Mm. This rigid sense of contraction Mm. creates a sense of having a very small cramped space to live in. Mm. Also contributing to this is what we've been taught through our lives and from very early age to concentrate, to pay attention, to focus. And whether it's on what somebody is telling us or on a book or a screen or on a monitor, we learn to compulsively exclude so much of life. And no doubt we become very good at absorbing, accumulating a lot of information. But an unfortunate side effect can be that we create a very cramped, contracted sense of a very small world to live in. And so regularly you hear people say, I can't take it anymore. Mm. What is it that they can't take? It's life. Why can't they take it? There's not enough space. But the good news is that this imposition on awareness is something that we have fabricated. Mm. We have created it. Mm. Mm. So we can stop creating it. We can do something about it. We can dissolve these this impression of a small, contracted space. This feeling of collapsed field of awareness is is something we can do about it. Mm. We can soften. Mm. Coming back into the body. Mm. Remembering the points of alignment that we've just established. And now also including our eyes, allowing, inviting the eyes to soften, inviting the eyes to be really comfortable, liberating our eyes from having to always stare at things, trying to get what we're supposed to be getting out of what we're looking at, Mm -hmm. with our eyes closed, gently closed, Mm. inviting our eyes to soften. Soft eyes, comfortable, contented, floating, Mm. soft forehead, soften the jaw. And soften the belly. Mm. We can readily find the, the belly is contracted as a defense against feeling. Mm. We contract the belly, we constrict the breathing. Constrict the breathing, we constrict our body energy. So there's exercise and conscious softening. We can make the suggestion the mind to be like water
1: mm.
0: when you carefully insert your hand into water there's almost no resistance which distinctly contrasts with the feeling that we regularly have of struggling for and against life mm. this non-resistance mm makes a difference when it comes to dealing with the sense of rigidity that we've established softening conscious softening aligning softening and broadening the third prompt that I find helpful to invest in mm. just the word broadening, expanding yeah. again, we've contracted, collapsed our field of awareness out of defense against what we didn't know how to or didn't want to deal with. Yeah we thought that we could control life nobody told us that's an unhelpful way to approach life there are more skillful wiser ways of approaching life like with mindfulness with sense restraint with wise reflection these are skillful ways of approaching life but most of us we didn't get taught that at an early stage of our life and so, we did what we were good at doing, which is controlling. But compulsive controlling ends up building these mm. sense of rigidity, of collapsed space, of contractedness. Mm. So, making the suggestion to the mind to be edgeless, not to believe in these apparent structures that imprison us. They can feel so limited, but we can suggest, be limitless, be edgeless, and then experiment with our awareness. Bringing sensitivity for instance to the temperature of our skin, the temperature of the air on our skin. What does that feel like? The air Touching the skin on our face or our hands. Feeling that, registering that. And then, by way of experiment, feeling a few inches out. Can we sense, or can we imagine, the temperature of the air a little bit removed from our body? Does it get warmer? Does it get colder? Noticing that we have this facility for using our imagination mm-hmm. to condition the sense of awareness that we're operating out of,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the space that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And just as we can sense the temperature also, we can listen. Listen to sounds very close to us if there's any movement or sound nearby. And then by way of experiment we can extend our faculty of listening further out. Mm. Further away. And then further away again. And then very far away. Using our imagination to sense a long way away using our imagination to dissolve the sense of there being these rigid structures of limitation. The perception of there not being enough space to receive life is an imposition on awareness. We've imposed this perception of limited awareness. We've imposed it and we can dissolve it. Being edgeless. Mm. Dissolving it. Mm. Welcoming the possibility, or imagining the possibility, of this huge space to receive whatever life gives us. Joy, sorrow, success, failure. Mm. Pleasure, pain. Whatever experience arises in awareness with its aligned, softened, expanded field of awareness, there's a possibility of accommodating it. Having now established a ground, a space that's fit and able to receive life, mm-hmm. picking up the meditation object of the sound of silence. Such preparation is important. Mm. Mm. Like cooking a meal. Mm. Our monastery has a good enough kitchen. We have very generous offerings of food Received regularly. We have a very good cook in the kitchen. But if the kitchen is not clean, if the kitchen is not tidy, it's not safe. It'll spoil the food. It can make us sick. Or the workshop, if the workshop is not tidy, mm, mm, not light. It's not safe. Really, we're not safe to go very far in our spiritual journey. It's not safe to generate intensity without paying attention to the quality of attention, the quality of awareness that we're working with. So the preparation of aligning, softening, broadening and now listening, listening 360 degrees. When we're looking we tend to be very excluding, to be very doing mode being. Mm -hmm. Just by turning to listening Mm -hmm. take us into a being mode Mm -hmm. and letting this sound of silence Mm -hmm. serve as a frame of reference Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a background Which highlights the changing nature of everything else. Whatever arises, let it be. The thoughts we have, mm. disturbing emotional content, disruptions, mm. agreeable, pleasant, gratifying experiences. Mm. Receiving it into this well cultivated well nurtured quality of awareness making when we're listening to the sound of silence making a suggestion to gently listen gently listen being gentle is tremendously conducive to well-being mm-hmm. if a mother is not gentle with her child there mm-hmm. is very sad consequences but when a mother is gentle a gentleness communicates caring communicates love well-wishing mm-hmm. Bring this loving, caring, gentle attitude to our meditation practice. Mm. In this case, the effort we make in listening to the sound of silence. And then the fifth of these six prompts or suggestions or signs in receiving Mm. suggesting to our hearts simply receiving. Mm. Having prepared the ground, having prepared the space that we're doing this important work in, Mm. trusting that simply receiving Mm. is enough. The quality of awareness, Mm. truth-discerning awareness, will reveal the reality when it's time. Mm. Going for refuge, setting aside the presumption that I'm going to sort it out, I'm going to get myself enlightened. Mm. Mm. How well did that work out? This way we cultivate the willingness to surrender that not out of abdication, not out of resignation. That's switching to the other extreme. Mm -hmm. But the middle ground, Mm -hmm. aligned, softened, broadened, gentle receptivity of what is. Mm -hmm. That's what we're receiving. We're receiving the just-so reality. Mm -hmm. Just so. Mm -hmm. If there's worry, worry is just so. Mm -hmm. At least we can make that suggestion. It may not feel like it's just so, but the suggestion itself, like the suggestion of aligning, like the suggestion of softening, like the suggestion of broadening, like the suggestion of gently listening, like the suggestion of simply receiving. And we suggest to our hearts and minds and to our bodies, to all of us just, just so. Mm. If it's agreeable, it's just so. If it's disagreeable, just so. Mm. Likeable, just so. Dislikeable, it's just so. Mm. Now we're not brainwashing ourselves to believe that it's just so. But feeding in this suggestion... Mm -hmm. with a confidence that is quite capable of questioning the confidence that we're cultivating here is not a naive belief Mm -hmm. but it's a confidence born of the exploration of what works
1: Mm -hmm.
0: these six signs that I find work aligning Softening, broadening, listening, receiving, just so reality, mm-hmm. whether it's in formal practice or suggestions in daily life, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: give rise to a confidence that's not afraid of questioning, mm-hmm. it's suitable. To feel allowed to question. Suitable to feel allowed to experiment. Again, to use the image of parents lovingly bringing up their children. Out of respect and care. Out of kindness for the children. They tune into the ability. Tuning into the individual ability of the children and encouraging them to experiment to find out what works
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or like wise yoga teachers uh, encourage their students to be very careful about using force as they get familiar with the yoga postures so these suggestions for the cultivation of awareness are with any implication or that somebody should change their approach to meditation but I have over the years seen many meditators wondering how come they've been making so much effort for so long and they're still so unhappy maybe it's because they've imprisoned themselves behind these defences against life Mm. these defences need to be dissolved in a skillful way, in a conscious way
1: Mm.
0: careful way giving it time also when these rigidly held defences do dissolve this energy is released which also takes skill to integrate so hopefully meditation teachers that we come across will present the teachings in a way whereby we feel allowed, we feel encouraged to explore, to assess, to investigate as we proceed in practice and to ask the question, what is it? What is it? What kind of effort is it that truly nourishes selfless confidence? Thank you very much this evening for your attention.